0: To the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a sports illustrated channel. Gets to the edge, Tony yourself! We'll send the dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Anthony Hosted by Dogs Daily Writers, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's the pitch. And high out of the right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports for a quick pop-up episode for you. We had planned to have JJ Frazier on to talk about the Mike White hire and what he might be able to do with Georgia in the next come in the few next coming years, we'll say. Um, unfortunately, JJ is still in Italy and on the road right now playing basketball, so he was trying to get connected in the uh, hotel internet and everything, and having a lot of trouble there. So we aren't going to be able to get him in right now so what we are going to do is we're working on another date and hopefully this next week is what we're trying to do when he's back at his house and not on the road anymore have him come on the show so we can give you that episode but we came into the studio we've been talking about putting an episode on for you guys today so we figured we would still throw something together real quick so it's kind of shooting from the hip this afternoon yeah. with that being said so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about you know mike white a little bit and can he get georgia dancing again with march madness going on right now There is a lot of talk around tournament play. That's been the huge thing that everyone wanted from Tom Crean, especially where Georgia was prior to him coming in. So that's kind of what you expect. So the question is, can Mike White take Georgia dancing again in the next couple of years from where Georgia's at right now? We're going to throw in a a, a new or just a, a King of the Hill topic off the whim as well. As you can see, we're both wearing something Braves related today. So we will talk a little bit about Freddie Freeman and the King of the Hill topic today. Who's in the wrong? That's going to be the question mark around Freddie Freeman. Who is in the wrong? Freddie Freeman, his agent, the Braves, Chipper Jones, whoever you want to call. I don't know. We'll say, we're going to go down that road and see who's in the wrong with it. But that'll be what we bring you today. Not going to be a super long episode if that's the case, but we wanted to give you something. So, Jonathan, let's kick off the
2: conversation about Mike White and if he can take Georgia dancing again. I think he absolutely Absolutely can do that for UJ. I think that's why you absolutely hire him. That's because that's what Tom Crean was not able to do at UJ. That's what you hired Crean to do. But inevitably, he was not able to get the mission done in Athens. But Mike White brings a lot of tournament experience. And I know people have been saying, well, Tom Crean did as well. Tom Crean brought Final Four experience with him um, to Athens. But, yeah, he didn't get the job done. But also, I think the difference is is with Mike White, one, he's done it in the SEC and yeah. this is a guy also that was very local to the state of Georgia. He was—I mean, he's was at the University of Florida. So he—he's a guy that recruited UG, um, the state of Georgia kids to come and play. And that was a big thing for us and a lot of people in regards to who UGA needed to hire um, coming into this um, new phase of UGA basketball. And Mike Wyatt is very familiar with that. In fact, he said that the first thing he wants to be able to do is establish a recruiting presence in the state of Georgia and recruit local kids because those are the people that you're going to be able to build your roster up with. But I think he absolutely can get UGA dancing again. Um, Actually, during his tenure at Florida, he had the most um, tournament appearances and tournament wins other than Kentucky, and he actually had the most wins in the SEC um, during his time at Florida. The only person ahead of him was John Calipari as well. So while he didn't win as much as Florida fans and the the, um, Florida University wanted him to, he was still winning a lot of games and he was yeah. still having success and I'll tell you what if he can have if he can get UJ just in the tournament regularly that'll be plenty enough in my opinion for Georgia especially where it is now if you can get him back to that point he'll be fine at UJ and I think he absolutely can do that absolutely and I mean 6 of
1: all 6 of his seasons at Florida he made it to at least the NIT tournament um, the first year was when he went to the NIT tournament. The next five years, he was in the NCAA tournament, which one of them was canceled, so you don't know how he performed in that. Maybe they had a good team. Maybe they would have been a first-round exit. No way to know, but he was in the actual NCAA Division one tournament. All five of those seasons there, so it is hopeful. I know a lot of Florida fans were talking about ready for him to go. They weren't super happy with him. Um, so, but but he is he is capable of bringing Georgia out of this hole that they're in. I think you touched on something that was extremely important with it is he has the ability to recruit the state of Georgia like that, and he, if he can come in and actually lock that down, like he said himself, is they're going to recruit everywhere in the state of georgia all the high schools everything like that in the state of georgia so that's his plan is to lock down the state of georgia in that talent and we all know there's a ton of it there's a ridiculous amount of talent in the state of georgia for for basketball to bring in college basketball players like that it is going to be a very beneficial relationship if he can lock that down so that being said if he can do that he can absolutely get georgia back into that tournament discussion um and one pretty cool fact. His first time making it to the NCAA tournament with Florida was the second season and they made it to the elite eight yeah. that year, right? Every other year after that, they at least or all of them, I think they were all uh, round of 32 exits. So they lost in the second round, but they won the first round every single time. They they always get that tournament win. So you have consistency in that coach right there, which, you know, prior to him coming to Georgia, we both talked about it. We, we weren't like in love with the guy and that kind of thing. Also at Florida, you're not going to sit there and brag about the coach at Florida in general. But, you know, he's definitely proven that he can get you dancing. And that's the point of this conversation is, can he get you dancing? I think the answer to that is yes. Now, the next question that kind of comes off of that is when? When can he do it, right? Mm-hmm. It, Georgia fans need to temper expectations, at least at first, because they're coming off of last place in the SEC mm-hmm. and just looking pitiful. The roster has been completely, you know, gutted, you know, over the last two seasons. Um, so the realistic
2: question there is, At what point can he get you dancing? I think with the transfer portal now, I think you should be able to, you should really be able to get things rolling by your second year. Maybe not your first year, because like, I mean, the roster is in pretty tough shape right now. You're going to have to do a lot of things. to at least keep some guys that are on your roster now, if White wants to even keep those guys. Um, But at the same time, I think this is the kind of outlook that um, – He just better not come in and say he shouldn't have kept Tom Crean's guys. Oh, yeah. Let's not do that Let's again. Let's not get two years down the road and then say <laughs> that's my fault for keeping them in the first place. But um, I think that an outlook that fans should have about UJ right now is of just be relevant. All you want is relevancy at this point because UGA has not been relevant. Since Anthony Edwards was on campus, there has been no relevancy whatsoever surrounding Georgia basketball. And even then, it was just because of Ant-Man. Yeah, it's because you have the number one NBA draft pick on your team. Yeah, you still couldn't. And So at this point, even if you are getting bounced in the round of 32, like three years consecutively, I think that it is important that... You just it, you're still there. You're in the tournament. You are being talked about. You're and I think you I think everybody at this point would be okay with Georgia just being in the tournament. Being in the tournament, at least when you are filling out your bracket, you'll be able to at least kind of have that second thought of like, man, should I put UGA in the Sweet Sixteen? Do I put him in the Elite A? Can I, I can at least in my head have a bracket that has UGA in the championship game? That's at least a thought, and that is at least something you can do. Whereas for the last four or five years, you have not been able to do that at all. It hasn't even been remotely thought of, hasn't even came close. You're getting bounced in the first round of the SEC tournament instead. So I think that's the mindset that everybody needs to have, is that just be relevant. And I think Mike White is a great guy to get UGA relevant again in basketball. Absolutely.
1: He's definitely someone that can get you relevant again in basketball. Although this is a good comment I'll say as as well. I'll put it on the screen real quick. UGA women's basketball – it's got you going, man. Yeah. You know, Johnny Taylor has done a fantastic job at UGA in her time there. Um, and she's she's got you dancing. And she's got you in the second round right now. They just beat uh, Dayton yesterday. Was mm-hmm. it yesterday? Yep. Um, they So they advanced themselves as well. So there, you still got that. So Georgia basketball can be good again, right? Like it, it can get there again. Um, and I think, like you said, it's about becoming relevant again. You know, if you get them – where you can start showing in the next couple of seasons, I say next year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on them getting to you know the NCAA tournament. Maybe he could surprise you, like you said, with the the way the transfer portal and stuff works now. You know, he could come out of nowhere and put a couple pieces. To, I mean, it doesn't take that much to put a a, a tournament team together. In basketball, when you're talking about a, a,
2: you get five guys on the court well, at the same think, time. Well, just think. I mean, last year you had Kessler, who was in the portal, and then you also had Fleming, who was in the portal as well. And just think, if Tom Crean landed both of those guys, who knows what UGA would have looked like or this just year? One top-tier recruit exactly. comes to your school, so in the mix of that, at the if same you time. have those type of prospects in the portal yet again, it, it could very well happen. You could build up a roster that's competitive immediately. Under Mike White. It'll just depend on a lot of different things and kind of like the track that Mike White wants to take and how he wants to build up his team. So, but you'll learn about that very quickly. You'll kind of get a feel of what Mike White is wanting to do early on in his tenure at UGA and the direction that he's wanting to take UGA in this first season. But I think he's going to pick up the pace really quick. I think this is a, I think just hiring him in general picks up a good bit of momentum. I think it brings some attention to UGA because I think hiring Mike White tells people. We're serious about this. We yep. are trying to make UGA a legit basketball team. We want to be relevant in this area of our sports. And because think about it, softball is relevant, baseball is relevant, football is relevant. You have everything right now except basketball. It seems like even tennis and swimming and track. I mean, you even Tennis wins national championships. Equestrian. Even the, the, I was about
1: to say the equestrian You have team everybody wins national championships
2: except men's basketball right now. It's just that one That's relevant. missing piece. That's it. But I think Mike White can absolutely do that for you, Jay. And I think that this is the hire – I think this is a good hire, in my opinion, to really get that – get the ball rolling again and make yourself a presence in the state of Georgia. Because, like, I was just watching March Madness this weekend. I was like, it's pretty ridiculous that the only team from Georgia, the state of Georgia that's in the tournament, is Georgia State. Georgia Tech wasn't in it, and Georgia wasn't – and the University of Georgia wasn't in it either. But Georgia State was. And that showed. and Georgia State's primarily recruiting – kids that are in-state. So that just tells you if you can get that done, if you can tap into that talent and get yourself, get yourself a pipeline, you will be a legit basketball team. It's just a matter of doing it and putting your words into action. What I'm going to put this on the table here as
1: well, so it's not even just the coach coming in that you're going to need to be able to make your team relevant again. If Georgia, if the athletic department wants Georgia basketball to be relevant again, They've got to get some money into that program one way or yeah. another. Whether it's from like the school directly or if it's coming through boosters, whatever it is, there are that that's what you're going to have to have. I, I understand that Georgia has become that football school. They've been the football school for a while. Like especially now that they have that national championship under their belt in recent history, they are definitely the. "Quote unquote football type school." Yep. I get that, and you're not going to want to pull money away from that program and fund the basketball program that way. What you need to do is you need to find those boosters that are going to be willing to directly put money into the bas- basketball program yourself. In the day and age where NIL is a huge thing, that mm-hmm. relates to basketball as well. That's not just football. So you need somebody that's going to be able to put money together for you in order to put you know those NIL deals, yeah. those funding make your facilities look. Although I think the Stegman Coliseum on the inside isn't like. Terrible. It looks nice. It's not, it's a little old. I I mean, I know yeah. that it could probably use a little bit of a revamp, but it did not look terrible. I don't know what the locker rooms and stuff look like. I can't answer that. We'll ask JJ that question when he comes yeah. on this week, maybe. Um, but you got to put a little bit of money into the program that way. One way or another, that's going to be what makes you more relevant as well. You can't just expect the coach to come in there with no support from the athletic department. Kirby gets insane insane support from the athletic department. Josh Brooks probably gives him whatever he wants right now because he's proving uh, yeah. what he can do. You got to give a basketball coach the same type of, you know, leash, give them a little bit longer of a leash to see what they can do and give them that money, you know, or some type of funding up front a little bit to see if they can't get it going. And then you decide from there if it's going to be worth keep doing or, or not, or just acknowledge you're not going to have a basketball program yeah. that's relevant
2: and, and then be go okay on with it. But, if you want it to be relevant, you got to put the money into it. Put your money where your mouth is at that point. If you're wanting UGA to be a contender and you're wanting them to be one of those top 25 teams every year, then you got you to gotta start fueling something into it because a head coach can only do so much. But you got to have that assistance with it of putting in some more draw to your university, having the bells and whistles along with it. It's, a, a coach can only do so much by going up to a kid and saying, "Like this is what I'm building at my school. This is what I want you to come do for my team, and this is what we're trying to achieve. But when you get him on campus and he's like, well, shoot, Georgia Tech had a way nicer stadium than this, and they gave me this and that, and their locker room was this and that, whereas here I don't get that. So like, those things matter. It does. While it might seem It might seem minuscule to you. Those things definitely matter when a player is choosing where they want to go play because – Everybody likes a little flash with their game, and they like having those nice things, and they like being able to have those, all of those fancy things along with what they're doing in the sport that they play. So, because there's enough teams out there that have that, yeah.
1: that's the problem. If you're talking about top recruits, top players, and stuff like that, the prospects or transfer portal destinations kind of thing, there's plenty of schools out there that have all of the nice workout rooms, all the facilities, the the phenomenal gym and all of that kind of stuff, the locker rooms, all that stuff that goes with it, there's plenty of schools out there that have it. And if you're talking about a top-tier school or a top-tier player, then you need to have some of that stuff or just an extremely good program to go along with it, one or the other. Right now, Georgia doesn't have either of them, so they got to figure out a way to do one or the other. The easiest way to get it started to help that side of it is to put some money into your program to actually build up your facilities and everything like that. That's what you're going to have to do because if you don't, you're just going to stay in the same boat that you've been for a long time. Now, I I think the coach alone can get you back to a tournament. Yeah. And maybe that's what they need first. Maybe that's how it'll happen. Maybe you'll see Mike White come in here in a year two or three. They're in the NCAA. You got to put up a
2: product that proves that shows it's worth investing in first. You can't just like, you got to get that. Yeah. You got to put something down on paper that is like, I'm, I'm showing you my product and I'm showing you that I'm worth putting money into it. You just got to get to that point first. So, I think time will tell with that situation as well, and hopefully that will come along with it. But one program that is not struggling right now, and like we're, like I said, we're not going to get too much in the Mike White hire because we were supposed to have JJ on, like we said, but we're going to have to postpone that to later this week. So we want to save a majority of that conversation with JJ because, because- – He's, he's more, got the insight. He's got the insight. He's more knowledgeable about it. And he can. he's someone that played at the university. So he's going to have a lot more information and a lot more input on this than, say, me or Jeremiah. And for, for the sake of being not being too redundant on the channel exactly. as well. so we'll, we'll We want to keep the content fresh. So that's what we're going to do right now is we're going to switch it over to some baseball. Actually, with it within the last 30 minutes, you and I were keeping up with it while we were trying to figure things out if maybe JJ was going to be able to hop on with us. Georgia was going up against, I think, rank 25 or 23 Mississippi State in their second game of the series this weekend. Georgia took the game yesterday. Jonathan Cannon pitched an absolute gem. than nothing too. Eight innings, um, nine strikeouts, zero Ooh. runs, zero walks. Man, mm. that kid is good. You got Emerson Hancock and Cole Wilcox in the league right now, and you're about to put in another stud. So, but today UJ scraped by with a win. I mean, there was I think twenty three total runs scored in this game. I mean, it was just back and forth, back yeah, and forth. Twenty three. 12 to 11. Georgia was up by four in the seventh inning, and then Mississippi State hits a grand slam to tie it. EGA goes up again in the eighth inning with a Corey Collins home run, and then Mississippi State ties it back up in the top of the ninth. And then the Dogs were able to walk it off from Cole Tate. Who wasn't that? It, it was, was Cole it? Tate set up by. All right, so Chaney got on, on
1: first, and then it was set up with a Josh McAllister. Shout out Josh McAllister. Bunt to put the runner on uh, second base in scoring position. And then Cole Tate comes up, puts a line drive right over the shortstop's head okay. into the gap. Uh, into left center field, and all of a sudden, you get a, a nice little walk-off win and your first series victory in SEC play in your first series of SEC play. So that's a great way to start that season off yeah. as well,
2: and a great bounce back from the Georgia Tech series. It kind of struggled there. Cannon didn't exactly have the best of his games when he played and when he was on the mound against them. And then they've lost two of the three games, so and they
1: lost one to Georgia, one or two to Georgia Southern as well, yeah. um, in the midweek kind of thing. So hopefully, this kind of gets the ball
2: back rolling with them. They kind of find their groove back because, like we said, baseball, like we said earlier in the year, um, on here is that baseball is just kind of one of those sports. It kind of takes a little bit for you to really get back into your groove, get that timing down, just kind of get every get all of your mechanics back into place. Of course, because it's one thing to scrimmage against your own teammates; it's one thing to see like simulated pitching in a batting cage, but there's nothing that compares to the real deal of a guy actually out there throwing the ball to you. So in the setting, it's the environment yeah, too. Everything, it's the pressure, it. the extra pressure. When you're in a batting cage,
1: or you're on the field going up against one of your guys on the mound in a simulated you you know, game or something pressure. like that, you don't have the fans, you don't have you know the environment, you don't have that pressure, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's just different. So it, it, and it takes a little bit of time to. baseball. You're not is one traveling, of those sports. You're
2: not going to other stadiums. You're not doing any of
1: that. So. Baseball is one of those sports that you you got to get comfortable at the plate, and you'll go on a, a run, a nice little run or something yeah. like that. But it might take you a little bit to get warmed up in that. So. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they can do this year. I know we're excited to see that as well. Um, you know, probably would like to see a little bit more out of your your bullpen and in your pitching staff today. Yeah. Um, giving up 11 runs is a lot, yeah. um, but on the offensive side of it, considering yesterday they yeah. scored 11, today they scored 12. There's no issues there right now. That's for they're hitting sure. well. They're hitting well. Um, so you just got to if you can get that. You know, I, I didn't pay attention to the early part of the game. We were looking at the back half of it because yeah. we were moving around trying to get stuff done today. Um, and I was watching that Baylor versus. Versus a UNC yeah. game this afternoon. That was absolutely insane. If you watch that, um, but it, you you would like to see a little bit out of your other starters and your bullpen guys outside of Jonathan Cannon, right? Yeah. If you're going to make a uh, you know a tournament run on baseball, you need one of the, more than one starter that can take you six innings or something. You need at least two uh, that can really, really you know. Lock down the first couple games of whatever series and stuff you're playing, and then you can kind of go bullpen or other things afterwards. But uh, there's once again, that's the same kind of thing though on the mound. You sometimes it takes you a little bit to get in your groove. Mm-hmm. You might struggle at the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, you could be lights out. So you got to give them a little bit of a break and, and credit to get things rolling. First SEC games out of the way, you know, they got one more tomorrow for the series uh, finale. Maybe they get that sweep. If not, they still win the series at minimum.
2: Yep. So um, yeah, hopefully – I think that they they have a really solid team. I don't know necessarily how they'll fare necessarily in a postseason setting because the SEC is loaded with baseball talent this year. Uh, there's tons of really good – has been for years. Man, I mean, they, there's just talent across the board. So it's a really competitive conference in regards to baseball. So, But Georgia's definitely proven that they are – probably one of the upper echelon teams of baseball of college baseball right now, and they continue to do that, and they continue to prove it this weekend as well. So if they can just stay hot and then maybe try and figure some things out, like you said, with starting pitching and get some bullpen guys really going, then they can really hit their stride and kind of work their way back up the rankings after falling down a couple of spots, like we said, struggling with the Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech a week or two ago. But we're going to keep it going again because, like, we had five minutes to put this together. I mean, we, me and Jeremiah <laughs> literally sat here and said like, well, what's something that we could talk about? we got to figure things out. So we just – we rolled with Mike White. We rolled with Georgia baseball because that was relevant and that was fresh on our minds. And now we're just going to jump right into it. We're diving right into King of the Hill. And it's – we're talking about Freddie Freeman because that was the big talking point. And we already got the comments
1: rolling about We're going to get one – I'm going to go ahead and put this up before we even get to it because I agree with this statement at the end of it too. Speaking of the bullpen, I'm still shocked about the Kenley Jansen signing – AA is gonna have a statue.
2: Yeah. Yes. Screw the Freddy statue. We need a statue for Alex Anthopoulos. And he's not only proven that he's probably one of the yes. best GMs in baseball, we're talking about best GMs in all of sports ever. I mean, in Unreal. It is unreal. No
1: reason to doubt the guy. After last summer to now, like the in the Freddy situation that we're gonna start discussing, which I guess we're kind of hinting. Oh yeah. Hinting which way we're gonna go here in a minute. Um
2: Yes, <laughs> yes we're, we're getting into it right now into it we're right trying out, we're right trying. out. And king like, of the hill is coming king of the hill it's right now we're jumping like i said we're jumping right into it and <laughs> dean you're gonna love this one actually because it is baseball related it is braves related where your heart and soul rests and who is in the wrong jeremiah with the freddie freeman situation there's been a lot of speculation of freddie's agent was in the wrong freddie freeman was in the wrong the, Alex Anthopoulos was in the wrong for handling the situation differently, and maybe he didn't include Freddie Freeman in um, in the talks of a new contract. He only it's so far people have said that he's only contacted him twice since then. The so maybe season. maybe Anthopoulos wasn't exactly straightforward with Freddie on how they wanted to do things. So who do you think was in the wrong? Dean's already Dean's, let, that's Deans that's the, the, the takes opinion. fly in the comments already as he always <laughs> does. But what is your opinion on the situation? All right. Jeremy? So my opinion is. Who's in the wrong
1: is Freddie's camp. I'm not I'm not going to directly say Freddie. He played plenty of his, his own issues into it, I think, as well. But I, it's definitely Freddie's camp. And when I say Freddie's camp, it's a combination of Freddie Freeman and his agent. Those are the two that I think had the biggest issues with the whole situation. Um, just because it, as everything continues to come out, as more information we're learning from... There was that article on ESPN Plus that I read yesterday that Great broke down article. everything. It had Chipper Jones talking in there. Um, essentially... I put it, the first part, we're going to talk about Freddie Freeman, right? Yeah. So the first part is on Freddie Freeman because he was being offered contract stuff throughout last season. Yeah. Don't let that be lost. In the conversation of the Braves only reached out to him twice in the offseason, first of all, they had a contract offer last year. And around the All-Star break, there was a yeah. contract offer for five years, $135 million, He turned down. Mm-hmm. The, the table was, and it was a standing offer. So what, what that tells me is Freddie and his agent decided that they didn't want to continue the conversation in the season. They shut it down in midseason, which if that's the case, that's fine. Like You, you can do that, but then you can't come back to like Alex Anthopoulos and say that they weren't trying to get you signed because they, they tried to get you signed before that season ended, before mm-hmm. you went to a World Series and won it and everything like that. This was something they were trying to get done prior. Chipper Jones told Freddie Freeman in August – if you go out and experience free agency, he said, you're playing a dangerous game by turning down the contract and, and trying to see how this goes out. You're playing a dangerous game. If you go into free agency and you start getting courted by all these big market teams, aka the Dodgers, the Yankees, that kind of that kind of team, you're not coming back to Atlanta. That's what he told him, and he said it himself on three different platforms that I've seen so far. Yeah. One being 680, the fan, and ESPN, and all that kind of stuff. He has made these comments, so. Freddie was warned by somebody that was in the organization, played there for decades, two decades. Somebody that's connected to the exact, management right now. He knows the exact situation that Freddie is in, too. Like he's, he's been, been there. He's been there. He's been there. And he told Freddie that if you want to play for the Braves – you should be able like you should be willing to maybe take a little bit less money than you think you could get out of those other teams and stuff like that because there is something to be said about the comfort in the staff and the place that you want to be in the happiness that comes along with it that if that's the case you should be willing to sacrifice a little bit on he your end the, to make that happen he said the grass ain't always greener but grass ain't always greener and it's not always greener you're now going to a huge market which is fine like and at the end of the day you you're willing to like, you're fine doing that but say that's what you want to do. Yeah. In my head, if, if that's what you think you're going to go get, then you should be going out there to do that, right? So I, I put the first part on Freddie because he he didn't take the advice of his basically his big brother in the organization. Who even Chipper said during this whole situation, he felt like he lost a, a, a little brother in this situation. Is what
2: he what it felt like
1: when I Freddie, mean we're Freddie talking like,
2: about the guy that got on his four wheeler and got the guy got Freddie from the, the whole traffic stop yeah. when the snow apocalypse hit Georgia. We're talking about the guy that drove got on home. his four-wheeler, went and picked him up and took him home. That's the type of connection that these two had. So, yes, they were really good friends. And Chipper was just being a good friend and being honest with him. He and was. that's where my issue started really settling in with Freddie. Like I I think with the contract things and stuff, my issues rested with the agent. Yes, that was the second part of where we were. But then go, after yeah. that, it was the comments that Freddie made of Man, I really didn't see it coming. I didn't think that they were really going to let me walk. And then also saying like Freddie's dad was like, man, I was so surprised. I was caught off guard. I didn't think that the Braves would actually let Freddie Freeman play anywhere else. And to say that when someone asked him, oh, did you see AA's tears when they were interviewing him about the trade? And he's like, yeah, I saw them and I'll leave it at that. That's where it bothered me because Chipper is out here saying, I told you exactly what was going to happen. I told you that if you start testing the waters, AA has a job to do and he has to make put the best team that he possibly can, whether it's with you or without you. And so when AA said, here's our deal. What do you think? And you rejected it or your agent rejected it and said, no, we can't accept that. At that point AA had a job to do. He had he had to put together a team that was going to contend for another World Series. And Freddie Freeman just could no longer be in the picture at all. And so that's where my issues started is that Freddie started playing victim as if he was the one that was kind of done dirty in this situation. Which which is what brings me to the next part of it, though, right? Like him being saying that that
1: that brings me to where the agent goes into where I have the problem with the agent, right? Because it almost makes me think that he wasn't included in those conversations enough to know because the stuff that we're seeing come out now. The agent was trying to play hardball with Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves and literally came to them and said, all right, you've got two options. Five years, 150 or whatever it was. I, can't um, I think it was like numbers, 150, something like that on five years or six years, 165 or something in that that range um, is what he came to. He said, you have an hour to answer. And then basically in the same article and stuff that breaks all of this stuff down, it comes out to say that at that point, Anthopoulos said – can't do those two deals. And, you know, obviously told them what they could do, that kind of thing. And then it was discussed that they weren't going to be able to get a deal done between those two. That was like earlier on in the week. That that wasn't right before they made a deal with Olsen and everything like that. That was so that means if if what Freddie is saying is true, and and he's saying that he was caught off guard, didn't know, and that kind of thing, right? That means his agent didn't tell him. Yeah. All right. So five years, 165 or six years, 175. Thank you, Zach. That That's what they were. And that's that's too high. That's yeah. The Braves aren't going to give you that money for a player that's 32 years old and wanting 6 years. And history deal. says,
2: Freddie's about to hit that point in his career where you're not going to be putting up the numbers that you've been putting up with us. You're At some point, you're going to hit a decline. And we can't be tied to a contract like that at that point. It's a dangerous year. game to play when it is a business at the end of the day. And the Braves have
1: clearly... They, they've they've done a really good job of keeping their their payroll down and playing well with that case, hence winning a, a World Series title with a ton less money involved in those players doing it that you know the Dodgers had, and then the
2: Dodgers you know lose to the Braves. Well, and the the best part, the, and let's start talking about AA because I I mean you can't say you, I mean he couldn't have done a better job at, repli- at fixing the holes in this situation at replacing a guy like Freddie Freeman. You replace a guy that was your the face of Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Dean wow, is, Dean is hot in these comments. Freddie Freeman, I, that might stick. Honestly, that, you might Freeman. start seeing that one stick. I kind of like that one too. You replaced a franchise player, a guy that's been with you since the beginning, since the rebuild process. He's been through it all with you, and you go and get a guy like you go and get Matt Olson. Not only is he younger than Freddie Freeman, he's from the state of Georgia. He played at Parkview High School, right down the road from the Atlanta stadium. And on top of that, he grew up a Braves fan was sitting. He, he went to games at Turner field. He said he watched guys like Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox pitch. And that's what, that was the environment that he grew up in. He's also a UGA fan. Also. I think that's the type of guy that you want as the face of your franchise. Someone that loves Braves country, someone that can relate to the fans, someone who knows what it means to love this organization. And, and so, somebody that one is, I think five years. Cause I, Freddie Freeman is 32. I think he's 32. I, know he, I know he's five years younger, I believe. All right,
1: so yeah, because yeah, so Mol- Olson is 27 and Freddie Freeman is 32. So you've got that in in, in all of that, right? So then you've got to look at you've giving him an eight year deal. By the time it's over with, you know, he'll be three years older than Freddie is right now, and that contract will be over. Freddie Freeman just made $22 million this past year. This Olsen deal, he will not make more than 22 million in any of those years. And that's the high side. And in the first couple of seasons, he makes a little bit less, and then it goes up to 22 million in the last like five seasons or whatever. It stays consistent, I think, in the last five seasons. So you're getting him at a cheaper cost. You have a younger player who outperformed Freddie Freeman statistically last year. I think he hit 39 home runs, mm-hmm. 110 RBIs or something, which was about 20 RBIs He's more. Got two and gold
2: gloves, I think, already. Two gold
1: gloves already at his age at twenty-seven. Um, and, and as a guy that's willing to commit to the the organization for eight years at less money overall, the whole contract is what 160 was it 163 168 somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's listening and wants to correct on that, they can. It's in that 100, mid 160 000, a million range
2: for that eight year deal, which is what Freddie was trying to get them to give them for you know five six years. And the also AA took the money, so Freddie Freeman got signed for eight million more, I believe it was, than what um, Atlanta's paying Greg or Matt Olson now. And he took that money and he re-signed Eddie Rosario, the hero of the NLCS. He brings him back. Yeah, the super Rosario. Super Rosario. Shirt. That's the shirt that I'm wearing. The hero of the NLCS. Another trade deadline acquisition by Thank AA. You. And you bring him back. And then on top of that, you go and get a Kenley Jansen, a legit closer, has a 2.57 career ERA as a closer, spent his entire time with the Dodgers, which just makes it even sweeter is, okay, you can have Freddie. We'll just also take your closer as well. Like I just love how it's it's almost like, yeah, A has that type of attitude. He's like, you're not going to get the last straw or you're not going to get the last punch in this. Like I'm... I'm well going- and and chipper told Chipper literally told Freddie Freeman that if you try
1: to play hardball with the Braves, AA has a job to do yeah and he will move on. he will call your bluff and he will move on mm-hmm. And the other side to it where I'm gonna connect back to like the, the issue that I have with the agent on there. So we're talking the Braves had offered him in that same article I think it was five years about 140 and some change maybe in there is what they had offered him, right Well, the deal that he got with with LA, one, you're in LA, you have a higher tax rate and everything like that. So you're going to get less of it from that alone, right? Yep. They deferred $57 million of his contract from 2028 to 2040. So essentially, when this was broken down, somebody that knows a lot more about it than I do and stuff said that the value of the contract goes down to $140 million for that, six, that six-year contract. So then you're only making exactly what you were talking about making with the Braves at that point at $140 million, you're playing an extra year to do that. So now you can't get that. You could have played five, then maybe got a one-year deal somewhere else if you're still playing well and and doing it that way. You could have made more money at that point. But then you're going to have to pay that higher tax rate. So now you've essentially made less money than you were going to make with the Braves over five years. Mm-hmm. So now your, your, your agent screwed you over. If it was about that six year and the extra money, you actually got less for the longer contract of it. And it, honestly, on the Freddie side, if that sixth year, if you weren't going to take a deal that did not include a sixth year, that means you weren't willing to bet on yourself. And that means you don't think you're going to be able to play after five seasons or somebody else isn't going to give you that money five years from now. That's I think, what that tells me
2: too. And I think it just always boils down to this statement of, if he wanted to be a Brave, he would be a Brave right now. I think that's really what it just all comes down to. is that If Freddie Freeman really wanted Absolutely. to be in Atlanta right now, he would still be wearing a Braves uniform, and he would still be playing first base for the Atlanta Braves right now in spring training. But at the end of the day, that's just not how it went. That's not how the cookie crumbled. But instead, you get a Matt Olson, you get some bullpen arms, you get a really good closer, you get to sign Eddie Rosario, and you're a contender. You're still a contender. You're still a legit team to, make, to uh, repeat as World Series champions. And that's all you can ask for. As a Braves fan, you love the players, and you love the you love this name right here on the jersey. It's not the names on the back that you really love, which it is. You love you, players you that don't fall, fall for players like that. But right? you root for the Braves. But you root for the Braves, absolutely. You don't quit rooting for the Braves because Freddie Freeman is no longer in the picture. You just root for the guy that's next up, and that's Matt Olson. And he's – I mean, fans already love him. Just as um, – there was tons of Oakland fans are like, man, you guys are really going to love Olsen. We fell in love with him quickly, and he's already – that's already happening with him as well. They felt Plus, gutted by him leaving. Yeah. They, they felt did. the same way we did with Freddie leaving. At but first. At the, but the only thing is is that – we got a really good player in return, whereas they necessarily didn't. So, but the, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 you're like all of your goals are still intact. And plus you got freaking Acuna in batting practice saying I'm back. Like, man, how can you not be still excited for Braves stoked. baseball still? So excited Absolutely stoked. opening day. Is part of the best time of the year. For I, see, I knew you were about to say that. <laughs> if you don't go on somewhere, I swear. <laughs> the best weekend in the entire um, in the entire year just concluded because it, it's March Madness weekend and it's games from 12 to 12. And now you're about to get opening day in the Masters. So, again, I rest my case there as well. But, yeah, it's going to be great to have Acuna back in the Braves jersey, pimping home runs back in outfield soon. I think um, – um, snicker said that he's going to be able to DH is what they're hoping by April 21st, and then playing in the outfield by May 21st. So that just kind of gives you a rough timetable when he's going to return. Maybe Mike Soroka returns soon. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with his second. Yeah, be
1: careful turn. with his Achilles. Really got to yeah. be
2: careful because as me and um, Dean were talking at, at home, we were like, "Man, if you tear it again, you're done. Pretty much. I mean, uh, three times you got to hang it up essentially. So you really got to be careful. Hopefully, he gets back in the rotation though. Other than that." There's really no weak spots of this Atlanta team, and they are coming back stronger and younger, actually. So,
1: yeah. And the one thing I want to put it put into context real quick as well, just from a comment a few minutes ago, i um, going up a little bit on there. The the thing that is kind of worrisome on there is Dansby Swanson has the same agent uh, or uses the same agency as Freddie Freeman. So we'll see how that goes here
2: shortly when when it's time for uh, Dansby. Dansby. I hope you paid attention, buddy. If you, I hope you paid attention to this go around them because. Talk Man. to your big your big brother
1: in the organization, Chipper, yeah. and listen to him, and then pay attention to what just happened to Goodness Freddie in the gracious. situation, um, and go from there. So it's it, that'll be the last thing. And I know the last, like all of the stuff that came out about Freddie Freeman feeling gutted and, and all of like the emotional side of his side of that. He was so caught off guard; they didn't let him know, and they just he didn't. Why didn't they tell me about you know Olson and stuff like that? Well, you know, if you wanted to be a brave, you could be a brave right now, and that's the end of that discussion. Quite honestly. Um, and yeah, Dansby is from Atlanta, so you, you expect him to stay, but at the same time, I think a lot of Brave's fans expected Freddie Freeman to stay as well. Um, and, and so we'll see and Dansby actually was one Plus, that said, a. A. proved if he sees something nicer on the market and you won't work with he's him, he's going to go get it. And, and the last thing to comment on too about the the comment that Freddie made about them only reaching out to him twice during it, they reached out to him right before free, uh, the lockout began. And they reached out to him immediately after the lockout began. When when in that time are they? They're not allowed to make contract negotiations with you during that time. Yeah. That gap where they weren't contacting you, they're not allowed to make con- like contract negotiations during that time. Yeah, Chipper Jones could have talked to you as a person, and I'm sure he did. That's the thing. I'm sure the people that you were close to talked to you in the different ways as well. Like Freddie Freeman wasn't just completely shut out by that. But yeah, they couldn't make contract offers to you during that lockout. It doesn't work that way. That's the whole point of the lockout.
2: But at the end of the day, it's still go Braves. The Braves are still here. Nope, they're not going anywhere. They're certainly not moving off their pedestal as World Series champions either. And that possibly could not be. It could be another banner-hanging season. I hey, think there's a listen. They could be the first team
1: in what thirty-two years um, to win it back to back. Because it hasn't I happened. Think the
2: freaking Yankees were the last team to do that. I but believe. it hasn't been. But regardless, it hasn't been done in three. They got decades. a legit shot. That's all I'm going to say. So there's a lot to be excited about. Still, as Georgia fans, spring football is rolling. Braves are about to be back. So keep it rolling, baby. And yeah, Braves Braves in six. See you in October, as Ronald Acuna said on Instagram today. Other than that, as always, guys, please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Like the video for us. Retweet, Retweet the video on Twitter if you want to. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. By now, you guys should know the links and the socials, where to find us. But other than that, Jeremiah, you can close us out. As always, keep it classy in the classic city. We will catch you guys later this week.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of
0: Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stodd7, to Kyle at DKFubderberg. And Jonathan at 22 underscore J man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs.